WUOG 90.5 FM presents Out There, a weekly journey into the world of the occult, conspiracy theory, the paranormal, and other bizarre undercurrents of the human psyche. The views expressed on this program do not reflect those of WUOG 90.5 FM, the University of Georgia, or the Board of Regents. It's Out There with your hosts, Raymond and Joe. Tuning in to our uh, our newest episode here, or podcast, depending on how you're listening to us. Um, how, are you, how you doing today, Raymond? You know, I'm do, I'm doing okay. You know, things are a little hectic here in the studio, but you know, other than that, I think we're all. There's right. a wire wrapped around my chair wheel, Raymond. I don't think you can. I don't. I don't know. Well, this makes for I'm great really radio. Trying, great radio, Joe. It's good so You're far, like man. Orson Welles. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> Don't be so critical. All right. Come all on, right, man. Right. I know. I know. Well, we got to get that out at the beginning of the episode. So. <laughs> I think it's usually the reverse. I usually. Yeah, you're always you picking on me. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, so good show lined up today. Oh, yeah, yeah. Freemasons episode. Right. The truth about Freemasonry. The, the truth. Well. With a capital T. Maybe a lowercase T. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, first so, though, yeah, we got announcements as usual. So, Raymond, first, um, I want to talk about Jody for a second because we had, uh, if, if for those of you who've been listening to our show regularly, we had on a guest last, I guess, in November or was that it was in December? In December, yes. uh, if you remember, we went to the Georgia Guidestones and did a show about the Georgia Guidestones and had a woman on the phone with us who was actually there the day that the Georgia Guidestones were unveiled. And uh, her name was Jody, and she's passed away recently. So we just yeah. wanted to send her regards to her friends and family. Absolutely. Our sincerest condolences. Yeah. And yeah. we know that she will definitely be missed here and also in the Atlanta pagan community for, for certain. Right. So right. Um, anyway, so yeah, thought we'd give them, uh, yeah. her a mention. And also we'd like to give a big shout-out again to Kyle Zelinsky for doing such a great job um, with our promotional items. And also to Ben Teague for helping us with our web design. We should be launching a website in the next couple of weeks. Well, I guess in the next couple of weeks, if you're listening live, the website may be up by the time this podcast is posted. Right, so. right. So go check it out. Yeah, we'll see. It's going to be www.wog.org slash out there. That's correct. And yeah. um, it'll make it at least a little bit easier for you to access our shows if you're not iTunes friendly or whatever. Yeah, so. yeah. We, and we hope to have, uh, we will have show descriptions of all the shows we've done uh, previous to this one. And including this one when it's up, et cetera. And right. we'll always be posting our shows on there with descriptions and right. bibliographies. Yeah, and extended guest bios, yeah, web links. Yeah. And uh, personal bios. I still right, I need yeah. to write mine still, right? Well, I'm sorry. That, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, um, it's Ben that you should be apologizing to, not me. So. <laughs> right. And thanks. Did you say thanks to yeah, Ben? Yeah, okay. but we can thank him again. So. Yeah, thanks, Ben. Thanks, Kyle. So, and these and this what the great thing about this is, these aren't even people in the Athens area. These are... Yeah. Just random people who've listened to the podcast. So thanks you so much. And if if you're interested in helping out with Outlier like these guys have, just just drop us an email at radio at gmail.com or if you've got any feedback you want to leave us. Positive you know, or negative. That's right. We've that's seen right. both. If so. you th- if you think we're um if you think we're uh shills of the New World Order right, or right. like left wing propaganda, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, Someone said that. I know. Anyway, that was be- that, actually, that was before we did the William Cooper show. That's so. the, that's the only negative review we've ever we've ever had is that we are we are left wing propaganda. Yeah, apparently, right. we're like Air America material apparently. or something. So, 
Yeah, anyway, well, that's okay. yeah. I'll take it. So we're gonna have it. to gonna have to um talk about our libertine, enlightened philosoph liberal philosophies here today. We got the we got the perfect subject, Freemasonry, which perhaps is the most uh, enlightened organization, at least existent in our society that we know of, in a large scale anyway. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, I'd like to, um, I guess it's about time to introduce Keith. Well, for Raymond, first, yeah. let's just say for a second, we've talked about Freemasonry here and there on our show before. Absolutely. And obviously, most people know of Freemasonry because it's association with conspiracy, which obviously, you know, conspiracy, of course, is a something we talk about a lot. And so it comes up because a lot of conspiracy theorists have sort of pointed to Freemasonry as like the ultimate root of all evil or something. Right. And their symbols are ubiquitous within yeah. the conspiracy community. The eye and the, I, mean, sure. I mean, we use the ear of the triangle for, for yeah, that's our logo. Our logo <laughs> right. so. But um, <laughs> yeah, anyway, so, but today we're going to take a kind of a different approach mm -hmm. to talking about Freemasonry. I mean, we've talked about the most far out stuff like Downard before, but today we're going to try to give you kind of a real idea of what a modern Freemason. We've is, got yeah. a real live Freemason in the studio sitting next to us right now, and I'm not scared. Right. And he's actually going to speak. Right. Like, he's not just going to remain silent. Let me, let me introduce our guest today, uh, Keith Winkler, who I know Keith because we he's in grad school in, uh, in linguistics. He studies uh, historical Germanic linguistics here at the University of Georgia, and he's a Freemason. He belongs to the Fulton Lodge number 216. You're, Keith, you're in fact a former officer of the Fulton Lodge? Yeah, I was a uh, senior deacon, worked my way up to senior deacon. So. Mm. Whoa. Yeah. What are you guys trying to the do? The microphone just attacked ah, Keith. Uh, yeah, no, I, was, I, am a, I am a member of Fulton Lodge 216 in Atlanta, and uh, I was, yeah, was a, up to senior deacon, and then mm -hmm. I left to come back to the wonderful graduate school here at University of Georgia. Yeah, well, and so just a little bit of other background, you've worked also in, um, like, a role-playing industry and other stuff. I don't think we yeah. can mention company names, can we? doesn't matter. But. Well, I'm, no, I mean, he used to work for White Wolf. I mean, it's okay. not, we're not advertising for White Wolf. Yeah, so. Keith used to work for <laughs> yeah. White Wolf. After I, gra I graduated uh, from Emory University and then got a job with White Wolf uh, Publishing, mm -hmm. doing role-playing games. And, that and, kind of stuff, and part so. of what we're going to have you talk about today is sort of the, some of the more esoteric aspects sure. of Freemasonry. And that's one of the reasons why you were sort of interested in it in the first place, you have kind of an interest in esoterica. I do, I do. I have an interest, um, you know, I've always grown up uh, reading a lot. I've always been an avid reader, and I have an interest in esoterica. But, um, I mean, really my first exposure was through my uh, my grandfather, um, who I never knew. He passed away when my father was 15, so mm -hmm. I never knew him. But um, playing with my grandmother's house growing up, I came across all these um, Masonic items which I'm sure many listeners probably have a grandfather or something that had all kinds of you know cufflinks or tie tacks or that kind of thing. Um, in this case, I, I came across a, a sword, actually, wow. a, a um, part of the Knights Templar um, regalia, which, of course, you know, to a young kid was pretty cool. Right. Mm. So um, then when I asked questions, I found out more that um, most of the, pretty much all the men in my family on both sides, maternal and uh, fraternal, were, were Freemasons. Mm -hmm. Uh, with the exception of my father, um, and most likely I would theorize because his father passed away when he was he was a teenager. So, so coming coming from a Freemasonic family, as it were, yeah. you can't just walk into the local lodge and say, "Hey, I want to be a Freemason." Can you? I mean, how does that work? Uh, well, I mean, surely you can you can approach. I mean, obviously uh, Masonic lodges are very visible. You can like as as you mentioned, the symbols are ubiquitous. Um, it is a fraternity. It is open only to men. And yeah, I mean, if you are interested, then the best thing to do is to um, to educate yourself, 
you must ask questions. Mm -hmm. And so if you have an interest in Freemasonry, um, yeah, approach a lodge or approach someone that you that you know to be a Mason and uh, and ask them. And yeah, I see. Um, I see bumper stickers that say "To be one, ask one." Pretty lot. much. Yeah, so. that's and that's uh, that's that's real simple. I mean, that and that's take it at its face value. The uh, the organization of Freemasonry does not actively solicit uh, members. So, yes, if you're interested, you know, you you can ask questions and um, and you'll get you'll get straight answers. Now, that does not mean that, you know, of course, everyone that that wants to join is admitted. Any organization has certain standards and certain requirements for admission. So, great. So, you know, today, you know, we're gonna, as usual, end up talking a lot about history. But before we get into that, we, would you kind of like describe to us? the basic tenets of the modern Freemasonic society and also, you know, just, you know, what kind of your average modern Mason kind of does, I guess, for lack of a better <laughs> sure. term. I mean, I can, obviously I can only speak for Georgia because I'm, I'm a, I'm a Freemason here in Georgia and specifically I, I know my own lodge best of all. Um, I think as I mentioned, uh, Freemasonry is organized on the state level. There is no worldwide governing body or even statewide, I mean, our nationwide governing body. There's a statewide governing body. But even then, each each lodge is free to conduct themselves, um, pretty much as they as they fi see fit within certain guidelines. But yeah, I mean, um, modern day Freemasonry is that it's it's a, it's a fraternal organization. Um, it is probably best known for charitable works. Um, Freemasons are involved in uh, Shriners Burn Center, Scottish Rite Children's Hospital. Um, these are all you know well known, established organizations. I don't have the number off the top of my head. I should have looked it up, but it's it's a staggering dollar figure that yeah, Freemasons, right. you for, know, every year contribute towards uh, towards certain causes. With uh, they usually emphasize children, uh, wid widows, and children tend to be tend to be very popular causes. And I've heard that the lodge is actually the the largest charitable organization in the world as far as money it, goes. I, I would not be surprised. As I said, it's it is a, it is a worldwide fraternity, and uh, and they're all committed. So, I mean, to answer your question as to what what are the beliefs? Um, I mean, it basically comes down to, uh, you know, brotherly love, um, charity, and, and, and relief, you know, and just essentially good standard, you know, I wish they were witchier, I wish they were spookier, but they're basic, simple, you know, brotherly love, be an upright person, uh, help those in need, um, that, that along those lines. Right. So, so you know, some people... Morality, would, you know, basically definitely big on upstanding That, that was morality. the word I was about to get to. Yeah. It's more of a... From the way you've talked to us, it's like more of a moral system than it is some sort of magical, you know, system. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I mean, obviously, I mean, I'm familiar with all the popular culture, and, and uh, you know, when you have an organization as old as Freemasonry, um, lots of uh, it accumulates a lot of history. And you know, I, obviously, I can't speak about the past history of Freemasonry. Maybe at some point it was uh, much more sinister or much. Much more magical. I, I don't know that. Um, I only know modern Freemasonry, and, and it is it is a, a system and organization of, of men that are uh, are committed to being moral to more, being moral men, and uh, and actually improving themselves through through improving more, their morality. Essentially, so there's nothing that you've come across about taking over the world and <laughs> worldwide. I'm still waiting oppression. for my spell book and my key to the <laughs> Illuminati. It's supposed to be coming in the nice. mail. Uh, no, I mean, really, honestly, other than um, the the obvious correlation, um, I should say obvious correlation to world domination, but the <laughs> obvious correlation to, um, you know, you, you end up with a group of men, especially if you're in a smaller town. Mm -hmm. I mean, I happen to be in a lodge in Atlanta, which is a major city, but, you know, if you're in a smaller town and a, and a you know, a sizable number of men from that town happen to be Freemasons, 
and you all know each other to be good, upstanding, moral men, because that's the nature of the fraternity, mm -hmm. um, then you obviously would like to work in your business dealings with people right. that are upstanding, people honest you trust. speech, people you trust. Yeah. Um, and so I can easily see how in, in a smaller set town or a smaller setting, um, it could look a little... Uh, controlling because you, right. you know you have Freemasons doing business with Freemasons and and you know if and an outsider someone who's maybe possibly even someone that petitioned uh, to join a lodge and was denied mm -hmm. um, could very well uh, feel some you know some feelings of, uh, of of bitterness or it could just look dodgy I mean it could just be like a bunch of guys that meet together in a closed building twice a month um, also are in business together mm -hmm. um, so I can easily see um, how a um, uh, you know, an outsider could could perceive there to be some kind of collective uh, collusion, and you know, I mean, I'm not saying it's never happened. Right. You know what I mean? And it but, is a secret society, and typically people are suspicious of people who keep secrets. Sure, and so. the, the, I mean, I love this. My favorite phrase. I mean, most uh, you, you know, you can go to um, a lot of lodges maintain websites, and you can you know a cursory Google search on Freemasonry or, or you know Atlanta lodges or whatever will bring up websites of various lodges and. And what I like is is the standard line tends to be that, you know, we're not a secret society, we're a society with secrets. Right. Okay. And so and and by that, a secret society, not a secret society in the sense that, you know, our buildings are very conspicuous. Mm -hmm. You can open the phone book and look up lodge and it, there will be the lodges listed in your town. You can call them, you can leave messages, you can walk into them in some places. There are just some places you are not allowed to move right. further into. But right. they're not um, you know, you know, cave as cool as this would be, you know, they're not caves off in the woods in some enchanted forest filled you know? with Masonic gold, yeah, and, guarded by trolls right. and elves or something. Right. Uh, that right. would be kind of fun, but uh, <laughs> it's really too bad, yeah, it really is. I mean, maybe, maybe in Iceland, I don't know, but I mean, it's, it's uh, yeah, but I mean, you know, the modern day Freemason, I, I'm a bit of a, an exception because I'm, I'm young by uh, Masonic standards, it, it tends to, um, be mostly, uh, you know, older guys, and I mean, older, I mean, probably over 50, over 55, maybe even over 60 on average. Um, and there's reasons for this, uh, declining membership or just, you know, you had, you have a couple wars in there, you know, I mean, right. there's, you know, it is a lifelong fraternity. So if you joined, you know, when you were a young man and you, you know, you look forward to a lifelong of being in a fraternity, you don't, you don't know what's going to happen in the coming years. So wars and various attrition. But as I mentioned to you guys, yeah, it's a different age. I mean, at the time of our grandfathers, um, it was just a different culture. There was mm -hmm. less things competing for your time, right? And uh, and it was nice to be able to to as assemble and join with you know guys that were respected in the community. They were clearly upstanding men, charitable men, um, uh, you know, well respected. You know, sort of the as I was saying, the old school men of honor, where they you know where you could give your word of honor and a handshake, and mm -hmm. and that was enough. You didn't right. you know you didn't need all these legalese and eighteen pages of documents just to do a simple lease agreement or something. Right. So right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I would say the modern Mason, I, I, I'm young to be, but I had family legacy and I was interested and I'm already, as we said, I'm kind of interested in esoterica. Certainly I'm not ignorant to the myths and legends and, mm -hmm. and general, you know, rumors circulating around Freemasonry. I find them fascinating. And yeah. certainly that was in the back of my mind. Well, let's, kind of, let's get into some of that stuff because Freemasonry has a long, interesting history sure absolutely yeah so where did it come from i mean where where did this society sort of emerge how did it emerge and what era are we talking about like what's in a small pocket dimension no <laughs> uh no that's i mean there's the million dollar question if i knew the answer where the origins of freemasonry i'd put a lot of authors out of business um 
what what I've researched and what I've been told, I mean, we know that. Um, so a little bit about the structure. The the the, the highest um, masons, Freemasons, we meet in buildings that we call lodges, and the highest. Um, not highest, that's not the right word. The the overarching lodge of the state was is called the Grand Lodge. And so you have Grand Lodge of Georgia, Grand Lodge of Kentucky, Grand Lodge of Pennsylvania, Grand Lodge of wherever, okay? And so we know that the that um in 1717 the Grand Lodge of England formed in London, uh made up of four four lodges that were presumably just meeting independently from one another at that point in time, but were certainly aware of each other. Mm-hmm. And they decided to get together and um you know, it's debated as exactly to why, but it, what it did is it, is it allowed them to have a governing body that could then grant charters. In other words, grant permission for new lodges to exist. Um, and so that's, that's one of the key, I guess, regulatory or bureaucratic systems. So we know 1717 in London, there are documents, manuscripts, um, that especially out of Scotland, Scotland figures prominently into discussions on the origins of Freemasonry that make references to um, Freemasonry, or is it sometimes called the craft, uh, in Scotland in like the mid-1600s, I believe, 1630s or so, Hmm. I know, which obviously predates 1717. And then as you go, there's always some scholar who claims to have found a manuscript that mentions something. So if you research enough, you'll find people that claim they have uh, something from the 1500s or something from the 1400s. But for my research, 1717 is a very firm date, and then that the 1630s is a document in Scotland that most people agree. The origins of Freemasonry, the, I mean, the two big theories are, uh, came out of, they originated out of stone, stone crafters, Mason's guilds, a guild yeah. system in the Dark yeah. Ages or the Middle Ages. So, yeah, because Freemason is a right. word. It has meaning. Like a, right, a sure. Mason is a, is Absolutely. a like a stone cutter or, yeah. or a builder yeah. or something a, like a that. Yeah, a Freemason is an, is an unaligned Mason in the, you know, right. uh, in the sense that uh, you, you don't work for the king. I, right. like the example I used is, you know, you could... You know, you could call a plumber to fix something in your house, but you can't call the Athens Department of Works right. to come do it because right. they're you can call they're taken. Like, you can call like the plumbers, the free union. plumber. Yeah, right. you know. Right. And we still have a term in English that we use all the time with the same root word, which is uh, if I'm just out there trying to scare up some work, I'm working freelance. Right. I'm a okay. knight. I'm a knight that's unaligned to a lord. I am. Right. I'm a freelance. Right. Right. And so um, that's the same basic cognate there. A yeah. Freemason would be a presumably a mason that was able to sell uh, his or her services, well, in this case, his services yeah. for fraternity, um, you know, to, to, to whoever paid him. So what, uh, what about masonry as a craft do you think inspired this, these, these groups to form that have more to do with, I mean, I'll use the word enlightenment mm-hmm. because that's, you know, in some ways what they're geared for. Like how, why, why this craft in particular, and is it arbitrary? You know, is it just sort of an arbitrary craft of people that got together? Well, I mean, again, I'm speculating here, but I mean, okay, that's fine for our show, as as you'll as you'll see. I I think it has to do with you know, you get to a period of time in history, you know, pick your point in time, random Middle Ages or whatever, where you're you're stable enough as a society that you're not worried about dying off every winter or wolves coming in and dragging the children out of the cabin or something like that. And you have this rise of an artisan class, and, you, and and once you have a situation where people have a little bit of, for lack of a better word, stability or, or leisure or wealth, mm-hmm. they can begin to think, and they can start to ask questions. And um, if you have a dominating um, king or, or lord, or in this case church in the history of Europe, 
um, you're going to have people that maybe aren't rebels, but are, are free thinkers and, or they have skills that they feel like need to be not controlled. So, you know, I don't know, but one idea is, um, Masons, stonemasons would have been a craft that weren't actually city-based because they had to go to where the cathedrals or monasteries were being built, and they often it took decades to build these things. Mm-hmm. So you had these these people that that went support sort of saw the world, saw different lands, which I would suspect that maybe a weaver or a tailor or someone would. Right. They, they were based in their township or their city, and uh, these people obviously came into contact with other masons from other cities because one city could not supply enough craftsmen for a large cathedral, right. ideas get exchanged. People talk, what's your Lord up to? What's my Lord up to? What, you know, what's your Bishop do? What's your Bishop do? You know, things happen. People talk, ideas get exchanged. And I could easily see a group of people that had skills that were in demand. Um, so perhaps maybe had a, a bit of an elite to them, elite feel to them. Um, fostering more of a free thinking, uh, not rebellion per se, right? Because Freemasonry does stress that you should, uh, you know, obey the laws of your country, obey the laws of your land. I mean, it, it, you know, it definitely is not a rebellious organization, but, uh, you know, free thinking. Right. So, and, so these lodges in London in 1717 mm-hmm. that you were talking about, they weren't, I mean, they were already Freemasons. They yeah. were not stonecutters yeah. guilds. Not as far as, yeah, no, it's highly doubtful because I think they all met in taverns or mm-hmm. various, uh, mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, it, I mean. It would make sense, though, that it would go back beyond that, obviously. Sure, sure. And then the other big, you know, theory, uh, there, you know, there's quite a bit of uh, of uh, sort of Old Testament uh, biblical, um, you know, symbolism and, and stuff uh, wrapped around Freemasonry as well. So there's a lot of people that would like to take Freemasonry all the way back to the building of King Solomon's Temple. Mm-hmm. Um, that's you know, a long time ago. That's a long time ago. <laughs> um, but again, you know, you know, it makes for a great story, and 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 there is there is uh, this type of symbolism in the craft. So. Maybe. Who knows? Some people take it back even farther than that, believing that it's sort of like a repository of ancient Egyptian secrets or whatever. Or like the Greek Eleusinian mysteries. Yeah, Yeah, or something like that. Osiris mysteries and stuff like that. You know, again, I I don't personally know that, but again, I feel like if you have, um, you know, people are people, and if you have uh, groups throughout time that that are uh, allowed to be free thinkers, allowed to formulate... uh, philosophies or ideas um you know if they hit upon a couple of good ideas you know either people keep coming up with the same good ideas over and over again which is possible Mm -hmm. um or there's a couple of truths or or just generally good i don't know paths of enlightenment or ways of thinking right it's obviously causing yeah it's obviously causing some sort of change Mm -hmm. real change in its members otherwise it wouldn't have gone on for so long. yeah and i mean that's that's what i would say i mean i think that um you know, I made this point to Joe earlier was Freemasonry to me, because you, it's voluntary and and it is a, you know, it is a system of essentially morality and moral teachings, um, taught through allegory and symbolism, but it's, it's very, um, it's a much different, uh, practice to, to decide, okay, I'm, I'm going to join an organization, any organization in this case, Freemasonry, and I'm going to accept these teachings, um, as not hokey, as not, to be taken lightly, right? Uh, but as serious, wise and serious truths. And so, if you if you do take it that way, then how much harder is it to live your life, you know, choosing to try to, um, you know, treat treat your fellow men as as you want them, you know, as you would like to be treated, and and be charitable and and be upright, as opposed to a religion 
not right. singling any religion out, but a religion that would achieve that same means through fear. Right. You know, you should behave in this way because if you don't, bad things happen to you in the afterlife. Right. Okay. In a sense, it's much easier to follow through on a course of action out of fear. Lee Raymond made the Machiavellian reference, you know mm-hmm. I mean? As opposed to choosing to ally yourself with an organization or join an organization, realizing that there are expectations of conduct uh, and morality involved, them giving you tools to develop that conduct and, and to help you. Um, and, and I think that that, to answer your question, things like that get passed down from different organizations because it's very hard you need these guideposts. You need. It's very hard for for someone if they just said, "All right, starting tomorrow, I would like you to be a more moral person." Something you had said, yeah. Keith, earlier when we were talking about this is, and I find this very interesting, is that the Masonic traditions are oral traditions. Yes. In terms of passing them down, it's not something that's written down for posterity. Right. Right. It's passed on orally for the most part. Well, not the ritual. I mean, the rituals are oral. Right. But right. The, yeah. there, are, there are certain authors, which we'll talk about later, yeah. who provide commentary on the philosophy, I guess. Yeah. I mean, throughout the, I mean, again, it has a very long history. I would say, first of all, if you, you know, those people that are inter- interested in Freemasonry, I mean, there are, um, you know, Masonic publishing houses. I mean, legitimate Masonic publishing houses that will send you literature on, you know, everything from a sort of an information pamphlet, you know, called What is a Mason? Uh, all the way to, you know, you can, if you really want to order how to run a lodge meeting or, or how to conduct a bylaws committee for a lodge, you can order books that will tell you all that. The Masonic Information Center, based out of Silver Spring, Maryland, um, will, can provide you general information. But again, because Freemasonry is organized on a state, by st- at least the United States, is organized on a state-by-state state level, um, just be aware that the information may not be exactly applicable to your state. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, well, I guess I'm going to go off on a few kind of tangential questions here. Um, And one that I'm sure that a lot of our listeners might be interested in. You know, we see um, the obelisk in Washington, D.C., the Washington Monument. We see the pyramid on the back of our dollar. All these very Egyptian symbols, but symbols that we are, that it's obvious that come from Freemasonry. What's the, um, where do all these Egyptian symbols come from? in Freemasonry and what, what, what you know because we talked about Solomon's Temple a few right, weeks ago right. but that really has nothing to do with ancient Egypt right what, well, what's I the think, tie in? I think for me again my opinion I think people are they're missing the connection I don't think the connection's Egypt the connection is building those are structures these are structures that are not built easily an obelisk requires some craft or some skill a pyramid requires craft or skill to make mm-hmm. um, just as King Solomon's Temple required much planning and skill just as any great edifice does. So I think the connection, um, you see a lot of symbolism and Masonic uh, symbols, and, and you, it's often talked about um, even in the, in the, in, within the, the lodge and the, and the teachings that are passed on, you know, about, about um, you, know, a, 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 you know, what kind of building are you? You're an unfinished building, you know what I mean? And that's the, a lot of times the, uh, the pyramid, you see on the dollar, the eye on the pyramid, you'll see the capstone is not, actually joined right it's the unfinished building so this idea that um i mean christian religion has this idea that your body is a temple Mm -hmm. you know and you need to take care of it uh you know masonically that's that's not out of line i mean you're you you have a duty to um you know try to create the best you know most beautiful most perfect building that you can and, and you do this a lot of times through through your conduct and your actions towards those around you so these symbols really um 
have a lot more to do with building a better society than they do with some sort of ancient Egyptian religious practice, for example. I, I would, in my opinion, yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I've never really um, gotten the sense from my exposure to Freemasonry that that they are that any of my my brethren are interested in founding a religion. Mm-hmm. I definitely know Freemasons that are very religious and devout members of their of their faith. Um, and we actually had an initiation ceremony at my lodge uh, some years back, where we initiated three members, um, you know, all of them simultaneously, and one was Muslim, one was Jewish, and one was Christian. Hmm. You know, and yeah. so. Again, the, the religion side, a lot of people think Freemasonry is a religion, and I, I would not say that at all. It is certainly a fraternal organization of religious men. But it's also uh, like a, a, a system of like esoteric symbolism. Yes, absolutely. That's, uh, that's, oh, yeah. that's in some ways like uh, a metaphor or an analogy for um, making yourself a better person. Right, and, which traditionally has been the province of religion, but I would right. ask... But it puts Who it, gave religion the, the from what soul from what you've told me? It puts it more in your hands. Yes, you know, like you yeah. are the builder. Yeah, in some yeah. sense. I, I would, you, you were talking about drawing your own the symbol of the compass, for right. example. Yeah. yeah, drawing your own moral circle with the yeah. compass. It, one yeah. may be larger or smaller depending on the person. Yeah, you but, can, like you can buy. I mean, you can like you can order books from like the Masonic Publishing that will explain the various symbolism of various tools and, and symbols of Freemasonry. And you know, again, it's it's you know. It's not mind-blowing stuff, really, but, you know, the square and the compasses are probably the most recognizable symbols of Freemasonry. And the square basically teaches us to square our actions towards all mankind. And the symbol, or the compass, I'm sorry, teaches us to circumscribe our desires um, and, and, and watch our passions. But it, it, doesn't claim, um, it doesn't claim, for example, that uh, all Freemasons draw the same circle with the compass or that their square is the same size, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I mean, in other words, there is room for uh, your own personal growth and your own, you know, you have to finish your own temple. You know what I mean? Right. You have it, to finish your own building. It's a moral system, but yeah. it doesn't have... Dogma. Yeah, dogmatic yeah. structures. Oh, yeah. I mean, know. that's one theme you'll find if you do, even going back into the early pre-1717, is, this, you know, Freemasonry has traditionally been a group of people that are interested in uh, knowledge, wisdom, mm-hmm. debate, free thinking... Um, they're not, they're not particularly interested in people that are, uh, slavishly dogmatic. So mm-hmm. I, I would, you know, at least that's not been my experience in modern times either. Um, well, when we, when we need to take a break for a second, Keith, when we come back, we're going to get into some, some really interesting stuff too. Okay. We're going to talk about some, maybe get into some more speculative kind sure, of things. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we'll be right back. This is out there. You're listening to Out There with Raymond and Joe. We'll be right back. We're back. This is Out There. My name is Joe McFall. And I'm still Raymond Wiley. We're here with Keith Winkler. Uh, Thanks a lot for coming to the studio today, Keith. Thanks for having me, guys. This is fun. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we talked... uh, we talked about the, the normal kind of, we wanted to get all of our listeners kind of a basic idea if they didn't know what, what Freemasonry is about. And Sorry it wasn't more exciting. No, oh, it, was it was great. Fun. Yeah, it was fun. That was great. So, but now we're going to get... Still, to- I, I still think, I'm still wondering though if, um, Keith, I think you're just keeping a secret that that there's these papers about global domination. I'm pretty sure of it. I, you know, we, <laughs> I don't think he's most, up to that degree. Most, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're like most 33 lodges, and a third degree. No, not yet. No, I I'm waiting on my spell book. Yeah, but, the, right. uh, but most lodges do have a bring a buddy night. So if you're interested, we'll, uh, 
if, oh. if you go and take a trip to Atlanta, I'll find out when the right next on. Bring a Buddy night is, and I'll, you guys are welcome to tag along. Excellent, cool, cool. excellent. So let's get into some more interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And I think the first place we should start, um, ever since the beginning of the show, on our MySpace profile, www.myspace.com slash out there radio. Yes, we've got, we went on Google <laughs> Earth, right? Yeah. And we zoomed in on the White House right. in Washington. Have you seen these pictures, Keith? Well, there's a book published, I haven't read it right. yet, about DC and the founding Masonic Fathers, and there's a book all about how certain landmarks in DC. Well, the city is laid out. Laid out, yeah. In a certain way, too. In a certain way. So, but it's, I mean, I've seen these books that you're talking yeah. about, too, and they actually draw lines on yeah. street maps and yeah. stuff. I tell you, the, the the things you see in those books yeah. don't hold a candle to a real satellite photo. A real photograph. satellite photo? Okay, okay because the the um, the White House is the bottom of it, what is obviously a pentacle. Oh, yeah? Like, it is just okay. obvious as can be. And then the, the capital, um, if you turn it around a certain way, like, is the top of a pyramid coming hmm. out. And, like, the roads are just, like, very There's obvious. There's also a, a compass uh, yeah. sort of mm -hmm. shape in mm -hmm. some of the original plans in the roads. Too. So, um... A lot of founding fathers were freemasons. A lot of yeah. founding, and that's yeah. what we're getting at. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, there are a lot of popular movies out right now about how a lot of the, um, a lot of the people that founded this country, and a lot of the ideals this country are based on, come yeah. from Freemasonry. Can you can you talk just briefly about that? Um, yeah, just in specifically about just the the idea that right. influence of founding right. yeah. fathers and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, it's it's definitely. No secret that a lot, I mean, a lot of our presidents have, are over the years of Freemasons. Um, founding fathers, a lot of the founding fathers are Freemasons. A lot of uh, key people that maybe weren't presidential, but like a Ben Franklin or somebody that had Like influence. a Neil Armstrong. Like a Neil Armstrong. Yeah. Like people that have done influential things throughout history um, are Freemasons. But, you know, at the same time, people that are famous but not nearly as influential. Um, so Kramer from Seinfeld, Freemason. Oh yeah. Uh, Ernest Borgnine. Okay. Last seen on Airwolf in the eighties. <laughs> uh, Freemason. So I mean, you know, there are people that are not presidents and not architects, but right. yes, uh, undoubtedly, you know, you can find Masonic symbolism in, uh, you know, I believe in say the layout of uh, Washington D.C. or something. Uh, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I as to why, like, why not? I mean, if you're all in a fraternity and it's and it's something you, you know, yeah, you, right. why you're, not? You're you know, found. I'm planning a city out with my buddies and we all go to lodge together. Hey, man, why do you say we just like put this building here, this building here, this building here, and you know, if you connect it, it's like it's like an inside yeah. joke, you know, right, or something. Right. Why not? And I mean, it's, and it's not. Uncommon. Does the go? You know, does it work as a city? Sure, you know. Right. And it's not uncommon, actually, if you go back into um. Historical records of the Great Fire in London in 1666. Um, two of the possible designs for the rebuilding of London are the street maps are based on the Kabbalistic Tree of Life, for example. Uh, right. So yeah. I did, there was yeah. already a precedent for this. That's in uh, yeah. a Graham Hancock book. Yeah, that's a good talisman. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, I so I mean, I'm not surprised. Uh, now, you know, does that give you some sort of world domination? Not that I know of. Does that tap into some kind of magical energy? Maybe. Could be. Uh, I'm. Apparently, our current leadership is squandering it, if they are. But, uh, <laughs> Mystical toponymy. Yeah, you know, uh, so. they need to go back to, you know, I guess, spellcraft class or something. Like, talk to Harry Potter. <laughs> right. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I certainly, I, you know, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. Founding fathers, I know that over the years we talked about there's been anti-Masonic movements. And, mm -hmm. they're, you know, and it comes and goes. And, I mean, there was a, a very uh, influential political party, I believe, right from like 1840 to 1860 or 1820, 1860, that was called the Anti-Masonic Party. Yes. And how did, uh, they, how did that come about? 
Well, there was, well, I mean, just general, like I said, there's general, always been general anti-Masonic sentiment, which, again, you have to understand the population in the U.S. today is much, much greater than it was even in, say, like 1850. Right. And uh, so, again, you have to envision, you know, if you were living in a somewhat small town uh, or even a medium-sized town, you know, it could very well look like, man, all these guys go to lodge together and they also happen to be like the mayors and judges and sheriffs and they also happen to be some of the most successful business people in town and right. you know huh, but the same thing know. could be said of church members in it, any of it, these it towns well could, nobody's, but, nobody's ever like oh there's a giant Christian conspiracy to take over the country well even though <laughs> even though there may well be uh, that called the Bush White House I was no, about again, to say I can't say I've never said that right? <laughs> here comes the left wing propaganda yeah, no 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 uh <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's plenty. Don't worry. There's plenty of religious people on the left too. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, but yeah. Uh, no, I, you know, I think the difference is that um, an, any organization, I mean, to, to a certain extent, you see this in in corporate Fortune 500 companies. So, like, any organization that says, okay, yeah, we're here, but we have um, we have membership, say, rules, and uh, if you're not a member, you can't come in this building, you can't watch what we do. Okay, whereas most churches. Even though I guess presumably no one wants to watch the executive board of a church meet, I guess you could. Right. I mean, it's you know, but you talk think about some Fortune 500 companies like you don't get to sit in on the board of directors meeting at Coke, right? For example, no one's generally no one's accusing them of global conspiracy, but you know, yeah, Freemasons just look cooler. I mean, it's just <laughs> basically this old old fraternity yeah. with some kind of gray nebulous founding date that tends to be comprised of uh of men that that tend to be successful influential or at least the people that get noticed are the successful influential ones there's probably tons of guys many many more freemasons that never did anything that's changed the the planet you know but can we speculate a little bit keith about you know maybe some some of the theorized origins of masonry like there's obviously a lot of people go on about uh the connection between the Freemasonry and um, the Knights Templar. Oh, yeah, yeah. So do you, can you just tell us a little bit about that? Like, what's the story with that, and why might people say that? And is sure. there, you know, do you think that there's some sort of connection? Um, I, you know, I do, actually. And I I think there's, but, it, I, so, okay. So what I would say is this. If you go with this idea that Freemasonry started out of an operative guild of Masons that, that traveled, most of the big... Mason projects, building projects uh, in in the Middle Ages uh, were were churches, cathedrals. Mm-hmm. Okay, so religion is front and center. Okay, um, you also had uh, let us not forget, you know, the Crusades and and various uh, militant actions being taken on behalf of the church. And so you know, enter this the Knights Templar, which I think is funny because there were other militant orders of knights, uh, but for whatever reason, the Knights Templar get a lot of attention. And again, I think follow the money. I mean, the Knights Templar are generally considered to be the pretty much the inventors of the modern banking system yes. as we know it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they they amassed a lot of money. Which nobody you know. really knows where it went as far as yeah, I Yeah, I mean, right? but the fact is before they were excommunicated and done away with, they were an up, you know, they were an operative group of guys that had taken vows of poverty, so they weren't buying, you know, gold-plated castles. They were right. escorting pilgrims to the Holy Land and fighting the infidels. Oh, but by the way, we'll guard your chest of coins. As a matter of fact, we're not guard it. You can just give it to us in Paris, and we'll issue it to you in in London or uh, in Jerusalem when you arrive, minus a small fee. Right. Uh, huh. And so that was how, because they had uh, commandries, yeah. which is what the Knights Templar 
forts were called, set up all throughout, eventually, all throughout Europe and all the way into the Holy Land. So, you got this group of powerful militant monks, um, and, you know, it's under church control, but then, you know, as politics come into play, kings want to make war, they want to see ter- you know, seize territory, they need money. Uh, and so, the history of the Knights Templar, anybody, your listeners are probably familiar with, but eventually they get declared heretical, they get declared outlaws. Apparently, there's allegations that they basically fraternize too much with, um, you know, basically Arabic or Middle Eastern religious thinking, and they right. incorporated some mysticism and and some, you know, not good Christian thinking into their into their organization. Nobody knows for sure. Nobody knows for sure truth. what happened, but and the whole uh, Baphomet thing, they right? Were you know, there was shipping but, the goats. You know, yeah, goat but I mean, again, a lot of the, a lot of those accusations come out not until. You know, Philip the Fair needs some cash to go wage war. So, I mean, the best way to get rid of a duly consecrated religious militant order is accuse them of hearsay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I don't know. Maybe they were worshiping goat heads. I have no idea. But, I mean, it seems to me odd that if you just attribute basic human motives, you got a good thing going. You're you're rich. You're powerful. You got commanderies all the way from Europe to uh, the Holy Land. You, you know, you've got powerful clergy um, on your side. Why would you, you know, want to go run around, you know, naked worshiping goat heads right. and get caught doing that uh, right. and therefore be excommunicated and lose all that? I mean, that seems to be a risky proposition. Right. Um, now, the other thing is that 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 was made up. That was just to get their money. Okay. The other thing is that they, but that they as an organization because they were camped out where King Solomon's temple was, uh, recovered artifacts from underneath. Somehow we're doing excavations. Supposedly. 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 And so then there's this other Knights Templar theory that says, okay, they had these treasures and artifacts. But how you get to Freemasonry is sketchy at best, but it essentially goes something like this. Bunch of religious militant guys with a ton of money, okay, get um, pretty much, in France they get nabbed, but in other parts of Europe, the authorities are slow to move in and nab them. Okay? Well, even in France, I mean, it was known they were about to be arrested. Yeah. The famous Templar fleet, for example, right. slipping right. out of right. La Rochelle Harbor the night before right. the arrest, supposedly, right. or whatever. But France was where they had the best like, success yeah. at catching, catching them. But places like, um, I believe, Portugal and Scotland, for other reasons, had already been excommunicated by the Roman Catholic Church. So... You know, here's a here's a you know papal command to seize Freemasons or to seize Knights Templars. Why am I going to follow it? I'm already been excommunicated. You know, and so anyway, the idea goes: if a bunch of people needed to go sort of disappear, go underground, merge into the woodwork, um, they were it's widely believed um, educated. A lot of the Knights Templar came from royalty. Um, they were educated, possibly skilled people, possibly craftsmen. We don't know. Um, you know, if there were secret societies existing, or if there were not even secret societies, but something like a stonemasons guild mm-hmm. that was very mobile and could travel pretty much unmolested around different countries, um, this would be a good organization to meld with. You could merge with these people um, and and essentially go underground. Right, and and this connection. Like you were talking about Portugal and Scotland before, this is a Scottish connection. Right, the, exactly. The Portuguese so this, connection can be traced. Right. right down to the order of Christ very right. easily. Right, right. So so then you come to something like Roslyn Chapel, which is 
a, a church, part of a church that was built uh, in Scotland, uh, started in, I believe, like 1440. Um, so this is long before, uh, like, Freemasonry was established. Right, sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is this would be, you know, but again, this but, is but where you get into this sort of apocryphal kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, after the Templars, but um, the people that, the, the Sinclair family, St. Clair, Sinclair family that built it, uh, you can you can research all this, but essentially, you know, they're Scottish nobles, but they also had ties to Norway. They were the the Prince of Orkney, Earls of Orkney. Okay, so they had ties to the Norwegian kings. Okay, right. If, if you're it's, not familiar, Orkney is like the very Norway. northernmost tip of the yeah. British Isles. It's an island. Yeah, and yeah. So series, I think, total of seventy islands. Some of them, no bigger than a shoebox or something. But anyway, um, so that's not where they were living. It's not where Roslyn Chapel is. Right, it's in right. Scotland. And, uh, and so they, uh, they built this, they start building this great church in like the 1440s, I believe. And, um, yeah, and, and it, it takes, uh, 40 years to complete. So now you're into 1486. This is key because this is obviously pre-1492. Okay. Um, and you know, it's got these great carvings. Many of them are certainly Celtic and pagan. There's green man imagery all over the place. Yeah, of, I remember you telling me that about telling me about that a long time ago, yeah. Keith, about the Green Man imagery at mm-hmm. Roslyn Chapel. Mm-hmm. What what's the deal with that? Because that's, I mean, you would think that uh, kind of like nature worship, sure, images wouldn't really belong in a Christian church. Yeah, or you, a you Christian know, chapel. You would, you know, you wouldn't think that, but you know, gee, the pagan festival of Imbolc is now Groundhog Day, and you know, <laughs> right? Yeah, and Michael Mass and Christ Christ Mass, and yeah. you know, I mean, and if you look at like uh, you know, Irish Catholic yeah. traditions, yeah. they've, they've I mean, pick up a whole bunch a of lot of stuff. pagan stuff gets you know recycled back into into christianity but your point being and i guess my point is Roslyn chapel is cool because it has tons of carvings in it some are clearly religious some are clearly knights templar some are alleged to be masonic okay mm-hmm. uh and you've got uh, a history associated with this very well-crafted pillar that is essentially a tale of an apprentice stonemason and a master stonemason and the master stonemason leaves to go run some errands and he comes back and the apprentice has finished the pillar while the master is gone and it's more beautiful than anything the master could ever hope to accomplish and in a rage he kills the apprentice mason um and the 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 death basically the way he's killed the manner in which he's killed um very closely mimics uh some aspects of masonic ritual okay so one one famous kind of mythical Masonic character is Hiram Abiff, the supposed builder of this temple. And part of his story is that he was slain by three of his apprentices. Well, it's kind of a reversal, but the, uh, you know, it, we can see how the theme would carry over. And there's some comment on that, but not, know. not particularly, but there's some com there's some carvings in there that appear to show a, uh, a, a, a person attired as a, as a Masonic initiate would be attired. There's a certain, Certain elements, certain things that are that you that you wear, certain way you stand that that disappears to mimic this, and so, and then you have finally the Sinclairs are historically, were historically the, you know, the grandmasters of Freemasonry in Scotland hereditarily, and the last Sinclair gave up that hereditary t- title and then was initiated into Scottish Freemasonry and then was elected, the actual grand you know grandmaster of Masons for Scotland, so there is you know ties of Freemasonry, confirmed ties of Freemasonry to the Sinclair family, who's the people that built the Roslyn Chapel, who possibly were descent, one of their descendants or one of their precursors was Henry the Navigator, 
and they had ties to Norway. The Vikings probably definitely hit the New World before Columbus, so there's this whole conspiracy of, you know, this guy had maps and charts from his Viking predecessors because he was Norwegian, and they sailed over to Nova Scotia, which translates to New Scotland. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and of course that ties uh, into an earlier episode, right. talk, yeah. Nova Scotia, talking about the money pit, which right. we, the Oak, Oak Island. Island. Money pit. Yeah. yeah, some theory that 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 money pit may well be the Templar treasure. Right. And now it's not quite ever explained why the Templars would be so buddy buddy with the Sinclairs, other than they're Scottish and Scottish would have been a good haven. Mm-hmm. for Templars on the run. Well, actually, I've read a book, um, The Temple and the Lodge, um, by Michael Bate and Richard Lee, and they talk about, um, you know, one of their theories is that these, these escaped Templars helped um, the Scottish Rebellion, which was going on at the exact same time. I've heard Robert that as well, Bruce. Well, one of the Bruce's head knights, in fact, he plays very heavily in the story, I think was a Sinclair. Sinclair, he was, yes. yeah, absolutely. So, wasn't he the guy that carried his heart to the Holy Land? Yes, Lord? exactly. Okay. He, we yeah, should he... tell that. I mean, I know it's kind of off topic, but this is such a good story. We ought to, do you know the story? I, I don't know the exact, it's, I think it's Henry Sinclair, the, there's Henry Sinclair Sr. and right. Henry Sinclair Jr., and he, he was allied with Robert the Bruce and, you know, right. the Scottish Rebellion, and then um, he was ultimately killed uh, while he was attempting to take Robert the Bruce's heart yeah. to the Holy Land. Yeah, to the Temple Mount. So the Temple Mount, yeah. and uh, His and, actual heart? Yeah. Yes, his heart. His heart. After, after he died. After he it was, died. It was in a box around his uh, around the Knight Sinclair's neck. Well, they yeah. stop in Spain on yeah. the way. Yeah. And um, they end up in this battle with yeah. the Saracens, or whatever you want to call yeah. them. And it's this hopeless battle. Well, wh- I don't think it's Sinclair. I think Sinclair died in the battle. Yeah, he, did, yeah, he didn't make his, it. Yeah. One of his buddies broke a leg or an arm right before the battle and so he was out right yeah. well the story goes is that Sinclair when he saw the, the the horde of Saracens rushing towards him took the heart ripped it off his chest in the box threw it at the oncoming troops and said brave heart you go first in life now go first in death and that's the origin of the term Braveheart. Uh, okay. So it's actually the Bruce that's yeah. the Braveheart and not yeah. William Wallace, as right. you might think. Although he was the guardian of Scotland or whatever title he had. He was defender right. of Scotland or so, something like so, that. But interesting that the Bruce hooked yeah. up with Sinclair and maybe these Templars right. suddenly wants his heart buried on the Temple Yeah, Mount? Yeah, so there's so. and there's a lot of Templars. Like I said, the, the Roslyn Chapel, I highly recommend. You guys do a, a Google search or whatever. I mean, it's got some really interesting carvings. And one of the things we mentioned is that some of the carvings appear to be... Um, the relief carvings along the edge of the thing appear to be uh, images of maize, so a North American corn, right. and, and aloe vera, both North American plants. It's not completed until the 1480s. Right. How do these guys know what North American plants look like yeah. well enough to carve them That's into, their, into their, their medieval chapel? So perhaps evidence that, perhaps. that Sinclair and some of his homies, along with their Templar money, perhaps, yes, might have had the money to, to build a chapel, had the money to finance voyages via their secret knowledge of the back route to Nova Scotia or what have you. Right. Sure, absolutely. Well, great. Um, well, we got a few more minutes. What do we? Is there anything we need to say before we wrap up? Is there anything we haven't covered? I don't know. It seems like we've covered so much. Well, I know. We got through the Templars and Sinclairs, Scotland. Okay, so tell us a little bit. People here of the Scottish Rite, the yeah. York Rite, and the Shriners. What are these groups? Um, these are basically appendant bodies to Freemasonry. Uh, the basic uh, lodge of Freemasons um, is your is your your first three degrees? That's what most you know. Someone says I'm a master mason. I'm a Freemason. They basically mean they're they're third degree. The the myth that there's a rank like a military rank is that's a myth. I mean everybody's a Freemason and that's it. And that's really all that you know. Third degree is sort of where it levels out. If you so choose in in sort of pursuing your 
Masonic education or your moral teachings or you want you want more enlightenment, so to speak, um, you, you can choose to join one of these appendant bodies and you have the Scottish Rite or the York Rite or you can join all of them, not one, you can join all of them and then you have the Shriners and they, they just take their um, traditions slightly different. Um, you know, they draw from maybe from maybe uh, Middle Eastern influences or, you know, what have you, the, you know, basic Freemasonry draws heavily from some early, you know, Old, Old Testament influences. But I would mention one of the interesting things, going back to your Knights Templar connection, is that um, Freemasonry doesn't advocate, it advocates deity, but it doesn't advocate a particular religion or denomination or anything like that. And, um, it, but it is a religious organization. But curiously, the, the very top um, orders of the York Rite, uh, which happen to be the knightly orders, uh, the Order of Malta and the Order of the Rosy Cross and the, the, order, the, the order of the Temple, Knights Templar, um, those three degrees do do require a, a, a the willing willing initiate to be a Christian, hmm. uh, at least in Georgia. I don't know about other states, but right. my understanding is that that's probably true for for right. the uh, for the organization. But for the rest of these organizations, it's just a matter of sort of it, uh, professing faith that you believe that there is a one God out there, quote unquote. Yeah, I mean the right, the, you know. the you know the Masonic institution is interested in in uh, in you know worthy and honorable men, and so that you know it's 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 are you do you have a belief in in deity and, and a belief in the revelation of, of his will and the immortality of the soul? And it's it's kind of a yes or no question. They're not gonna you know check your your tax records and see if you've been tithing to church because it's it's all about organization as i said is really based on this idea of men of honor that want to you know good men that want to be better that's essentially it in a nutshell good men that want to be better and um and as sort of naive as that sounds in today's world i mean if you think about it i mean that's a hard tall order yeah it's to seemed, do on your own or with the help of your brethren but you know it seemed that's something though in we talked raymond we did that show uh with austin about um the, the golden, golden dawn, dawn. Yeah. one of the one of the things that we brought up during that show was about how uh the golden dawn is like a you know an occult system mm -hmm. that is intended for the i guess you know the participant to use the system to make themselves a better person to mm -hmm. evolve mm -hmm. and by doing so uh sort of bring all of humanity up a notch mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. so one person at a time basically sure yeah um and it seems like that's something that's common with a lot of esoteric or occult systems I agree. Our, our modern minds want to attach a value to it. Why, right. why should I improve myself morally? What's the payoff? What, what do right. I get my spell book? When well, do I get my key to the world dominate? You know, right. our modern minds, unfortunately, are mercenary. And we've, we've been, the idea that someone just would want to be a better man. Right. Because be the that's the best, best person. Best can person do. they can, because that's a good thing. Right. And when you surround yourself with good people that are, you know, and you, right. you know, yeah, I mean, that if idea. If you want you, other people to be a good person, you know, to be, be good people, was it Gandhi? Was it Gandhi oneself. that says, be the change you want to be, or, you know, that you want to yeah. happen, be the change you want to, you know. That's, I mean, it maybe sounds naive to some listeners, but yeah. that I think is pretty central to Freemasonry and, and not unique to Freemasonry. You know, there's other organizations that would say that. Awesome. Well, Keith Winkler, thanks so much for coming on the show today. You're very welcome. I've enjoyed it greatly. Hope yeah. I can come back at some point in time. Yeah, Absolutely. that'd be fun. That'd Absolutely. Be fun. So, um, any last announcements? I don't think so. Thanks for listening to the show. Yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot for tuning into Out There this week. Uh, Reverend Ivan Stang. Oh, yeah. We're talking out. to Ivan Stang from Church of the Subgenius. Right. We might, he might be on next week. So and keep apparently your... there's a developing Subgenius news story along right. with so we, we didn't might... even know about Yeah, yeah. Him, yeah. So. The ACLU's involved in some court case. I don't know. So he might talk about that if we can get him to come on the show he right yeah 
So, okay, I, I gotta mention this. You guys heard, I mean, last thing. You guys heard Dan Brown got sued. Right, yes. Woo-ha. That's yes. all I gotta say. Woo-ha. That. <laughs> um, so, Dan Brown, the author of the Division. Right, the right. Okay, yeah, he right. was sued by, actually, we, we talked about the guy's book yeah. earlier. Yeah. Holy Blood, Holy Grail, Holy Holy Grail, Grail yeah. and Temple in the Lodge yeah. by Michael Bate and Richard Lee. So yeah. we may, we're may we going to try to book them. I am not making you guys any guarantees on that, but I'm going to try. Can we get all three of them at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know, well, Henry Lincoln, he's actually staying out of the whole thing. Yeah. He's, he, doesn't, he doesn't want anything to do with it. But, but this oh. is all for future shows. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But, but, you know, it's esoteric gossip. Very interesting stuff. Yeah, so keep your ears open. Keep listening to the show. This is Out There. My name is Joe McFall. And I'm Raymond Wiley. We'll see you next week. You have been listening to Out There, a presentation of WUOG 90.5 FM in Athens, Georgia. For more information or to subscribe to our podcast, visit www wuog.org slash podcasts or email us at outthereradio at gmail.com